welcome, welcome to Any Given Thursday. I am Max. With us always is our dear friend and co-host, David. David, how are you today? I'm doing great today, Max. I'm in Belfast right now. It's Still lovely. Belfast. Yes. Tell us what you're doing in Belfast. I am interning with the office of the Ch- Lady Chief Justice over here, so I can't talk about much of what I'm doing. I feel like when you say uh, Lady Chief Justice, that seems like problematic to me. Can't well, she is, just be she's regular a, Chief Justice? She's just she's a lady, lady, Maxwell. She has been knighted. Did they say gentleman Chief Justice? If they're Lord, but yeah, that seems that so. seems catchy and antiquated to me. But we'll move past it. Well, welcome to Britain. Everything's it's relevant catchy. anyway, because by the time this is released, we will be home anyway. Anyway. Yes, and we will be editing this out. So maybe you never know. I'm in charge yeah. of that. So um, oh, unless you'd like to learn how to use some editing software, no, that's uh, why I pay you yeah, take that as the a big bucks. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we're putting all of those big bucks into our production value here at the Any Given Thursday Show. This is our inaugural edition of our Club Spotlight series, um, where we'll be taking a deep dive into uh, into a club either in the Europa League or the Conference League or both, as it may be. Um, and uh, each of us picks a club, um, and then we, we sort of pitch that club to the other. Um, and today I've chosen Freiburg, Sport Club Freiburg. And just to warn, before we get off and running here, my German pronunciations are not going to be accurate. I did not do the work. Um, and we're going to have to live with that. Uh, the Freiburg is in Freiburg in Bresigau. Off to a strong start. Um, I'm not sure what, why it can't just be Freiburg, uh, like a normal town. Um, but How they do things there. It's the most southwesterly club in the Bundesliga. And Freiburg is the fourth largest city in its region in southwest Germany in the Baden-Württemberg region. <laughs> you know, one of, one of my favorites. Um, yes. Population is about 230,000, so it's not huge. And it's right near the French, the French and Swiss borders. It's pretty close to Zurich and Strasbourg. Zurich, Strasbourg, and Basel are, are the nearest cities. Um, uh, in Germany, it's closest to, what did I say, Stuttgart. But to get through Stuttgart, you have to head through the Black Forest. Um, some people oh. refer to the club as the, as the, as the uh, country's Black Forest club. Baden is a wine-growing region. Um, and... Because of that, you know, it has a pretty warm climate, so it's a bit mm-hmm. of a tourist destination. It's kind of a cool, warm spot. I've it's heard like they also make great cake in uh, the Black Forest region as well. How about that? I've never had, I've never partaken. Black Forest Gateau is uh, it's famous. Black Forest sounds like like kind of like a fant- fantasy novel thing. It sounds like the Lord of the Rings thing. Sounds one of one of the forests. Is that the one with the ants? What's well, the forest we- with the ants? Can- Pretend it is because I have never read Lord of the Rings. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so it's also a university town. Oh, uh, it's known for its high quality of living, its medieval architecture, architecture, and it's considered an intellectual hub of the region because of all its university happenings. Uh, it's also sometimes referred to as a eco city um, with lots of environmentally friendly infrastructure. And uh, there's a lot of like solar industry stuff that goes on there. Germany's Green Party has a strong foothold there, which is kind of unusual. Uh, not much by way of car traffic in the city center. Very pedestrian friendly. There's a tram work. Basically, I'm describing a Swiss city, which makes sense considering its geography. Um, yeah. 
now for the really boring stuff um which everyone oh, now now we're getting to the boring yeah. stuff that now we're getting awesome. to the boring stuff we're getting okay. we're getting stuff straight from wikipedia for that for for history <laughs> um so it'll get more interesting i promise it's founded in 1904 um a pair of clubs um can be traced though its origins can be traced to a pair of clubs um Freiburger Football Verein <laughs> 04 Absolutely organized in March and FC Schwalbe Freiburg two months later uh both clubs underwent name changes Schwalbe went to Mars for some reason Mars became Union Freiburg and then Freiburg became Sport Verein Freiburg um and then SV and Union joined three years later and uh, became Sport Club Freiburg, um, where we find it now. After uh, World War I, Freiburg entered a temporary arrangement with Freiburger FC to be able to field a full side that they called that KSG Freiburg. The next year, Sporting Club Freiburg associated themselves with 1844 Freiburg as that club's football department until 1928 when they left to enter its stadium sharing arrangement with a whole different team called P- PSV Freiburg. Um, so it's a bit of a mess, their history. So many Freibergs. Um, I know, it's insane. Uh, yeah, so after World War II now, uh, Allied Occupation Authorities disbanded most of the existing organizations in Germany, including football clubs, um, which we know from obsessing over football history before, but the clubs were quickly permitted to reconstitute themselves after about a year, but they had to take on new names to dissociate from the Nazis, um, as so many of us do. Um, so SC Freiburg uh, was briefly known as VFL Freiburg, and then uh, French occupation authorities um, let them reclaim some of these clubs, rec- reclaim their old identities. So SC Freiburg. Um, became SC Freiburg again in 1952. And that's the very messy history of their first 50 years. <laughs> um, it was a lot of information right there. It was a lot. Um, they've used the same black and white crest since 58. Um, and so one could maybe consider their, the last 70 years, their, um, their more modern history. Um, mm-hmm. So they play in... Uh, they played in for 70 years in a ground called the Dreimastadion, named after the Dreisum River, goes through Freiburg. But now they recently, just a year or two ago, moved to a brand new ground, the Europa Park Stadion, 34,000 capacity. That's pretty sizable. Yeah, they're in a whole new territory. Um, their record goal scorer is Niels Peterson with 102 goals. He's still an active member of the squad and uh, a very popular super sub. You know who the second all-time leading scorer is in their history? I do not, actually. I was trying to you rack my mind. manage the German national team. Is it Jurgi Lowe? It is. There we go. Second all-time leading scorer. How about that, right? Um, so Freiburg, most of their history has been experiencing yo-yoism. Um, fans used to chant, we go up, we go down. We go into the UEFA Cup um, in the 90s. They didn't even play in the Bundesliga mm-hmm. until 93-94. It was their first season in that in the, in the Bundesliga. They barely stayed up that year um, and then somehow finished third the next. Um, 
as one does. And they finished only three points behind champions Dortmund. So they almost won the title. Um, and so they won the UEFA Cup in 95, hence the chant. Um, then they went down in 97. <laughs> and then they came up in that 98. Would... Then they made the UEFA Cup again in 2001. Then they went down in 2003. So uh, before you were joking to me that somebody was suggesting Freiburg might go down next year. Mm-hmm. Well, they have yeah. kind of a history of that after making the Europa League or the UEFA Cup. Um, then they came right back up again in 04, then went right back down. Uh, then after a few years, a few years removed, um, 2009, uh, they made it back up. And then they made the Europa League in 13-14 again, which is their third appearance. Um, and well, that was great for them. They actually had Champions League qualification on hand that day. Um, but they had to beat Schalke for that last spot, and they lost in a oh, in a matchup to them, a head-to-head. Um, so they had to settle for the Europa League. I've never made the Champions League. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, they were relegated a year later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As one <laughs> Kind of their MO after making Europe. Um, let's hope that isn't the case this season. And I don't think it will be, but we'll get to that. Um, but they bounced right up back up again. So uh, they didn't have not spent a lot of – they spent a lot of time uh, going back and forth um, haven't been in the uh, haven't been in the Bundesliga two that often actually in the nineties because they usually come right back up. Uh, other yeah. than the four years they spent in the in the knots, um, the four year period block they spent, I should say. Um, they uh, really they seem a, as a club say? the epitome of the phrase. You, it's not about how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you stand right back up. They exactly kind of capture the essence of them and their relegation battles. Yeah. They, they would be like, they would be like Norwich if Norwich ever finished above 19th in the Premier League. So they're just like not, if Norwich, every time right. Norwich got promoted, they made the Europa League and then immediately got relegated again. Okay. Um, so uh, they did make a brief Europa League appearance in 2016 17 as well, mm. uh, but they didn't make it past the third qualifying round. Uh, they lost to a Slovenian club. Are you familiar with any Slovenian clubs? Um, uh, is there Olympia Ljubljana? Probably not them, right? It was not I don't them. think they. I don't even know if they're a real club. I may have made. I don't know either. First part of that team name. Oh, we should just, doing this podcast, but I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell yeah. you one Slovenian club. Yeah, well, we'll definitely learn about them some more this year. Well, maybe um, we'll learn about this club. It was NK Domzala. Domzala, or Domzal. I don't know how to. I don't know how to speak fucking Slovenian. Yeah. Um, um, you know, my cousin. This is not really related to the podcast, but my cousin is currently living in Ljubljana, so oh, maybe she knows something about these Slovenian. Slovenia teams. looks pretty sweet, man. That Luka Luka Doncic tells me is a pretty dope place to live. So, mm-hmm. um, more of a basketball country than a soccer country. Possibly, they have good soccer facilities though, and for the national team, um, they have a fancy like training place up in the mountains. It looks very lovely. Oh yes. I did also go look at, um, after you told me what the team was, I went to the 2017-18 Europa League Wikipedia page. Guess who played in it? Olympia Ljubljana. That was a great guess by me. There you go. There you go. That's why you're a pro. Yeah. Um, so in 0102, when they were in the Europa Cup, they made the third round, uh, which was the round of 32, I think, at the time. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was like yeah. the playoff round now. Okay. Um, and then... They finished third in the 13-14 group, uh, which was Group H. They finished behind Sevilla, makes sense, and Slovan Liberec, 
which makes less sense. I think they're Czech. Um, so in the past season, uh, 21-22, they made the Pokal final for the first time. Yeah. Um, they lost on Penn. No, sorry. They lost a uh, 2-1 in extra time, unfortunately, to Leipzig. Um, which was which the whole country mourned I'm sure Um, first they ever got in that cup they were the first team uh, to ever make the final after playing only road games in the Pokal fun fact Um, the only only cups they've ever won are uh, lower league titles they Mm -hmm. won the two Bundesliga four times in 93, 03, 09 and 16 Um, but they've been up since then um they play in white red black and red and unfortunately in the last couple of years have had some really ugly uniforms um in my opinion yeah. um i think they should stick to the black and white um it's a classy look they don't have i surmise this is because of uh their late emergence as an actual competitive club and mm-hmm. their relative geographical isolation from the rest of the country but they're not huge on local rivalries. They are, they do have a rivalry with Stuttgart and Karlsruhe, um, who are in the Tumbo Bundesliga right now. Because they're kind of the nearest by clubs. But from what I can gather, um, Stuttgart is not Stuttgart fans don't quite feel the same way about Freiburg fans as Freiburg fans feel about Stuttgart fans. Uh, they little, have a bigger fish to fry, time. you know. They've won yeah. the league, they've done all they're historically a much bigger club, so it's a bit one-sided. Stuttgart and Karlsruher might even be a bigger, more traditional rivalry than either of them versus Freiburg. Yeah. Um, Stuttgart's got to worry about Bayern. They got way other things on their mind. Now, in terms of uh, the current state of affairs, their manager is Christian Strike. He's been at the club yeah. for a really long time. He's been there like 11 years, I think, since 2011. Yeah, joined the longest serving manager in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and he previously worked as an assistant um there and he worked as the manager of the u19 team so he's, he's a lifer. club yeah he's been at the club at some level since 95 um and he began his playing his career there he was there from 83 to 85 87 to 88 and 91 to 94 so he's a lifer um yeah. he's uh, a fun a fun guy to watch too he has some like you know cloppy and qualities um mm-hmm. he's been described as enigmatic energetic and even as a quote football philosopher those are terms you love to hear he sounds like your coach's favorite coach exactly um and they stuck with him even when they got relegated partway you know five years into his tenure uh Mm -hmm. they're a club that like to do that um they've had long-term management forever um president on down they're uh they're good models for sustainability um for a club their size um Volker Finke, for instance, he managed the club for 16 years from 91 to 07 um, when they became, you know, sort of Bundesliga regulars and mm-hmm. yo-yoers. And he's the longest serving coach in German football history. Wow. So it's kind of, well, maybe kind of one of their things. One of their things. Maybe Stich, Stich will catch him one day. Strike. 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 I'm not good with my, not good with my German. Yeah, Strike is uh is is a very emotional and passionate guy. He goes really fucking nuts on the sidelines. If you like, if you if you just YouTube some videos of him, uh, he cries. He gets incredulous. He's really fun, um, and he uh he can also at times wax philosophical in post match interviews, which can be amusing. Mm-hmm. Um, now they, I'd say like five or six years ago when they're relegated, they're. More most common formations were like a four four two, 
or a four four one one of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, he's kind of opted for a back three pretty commonly. Although I have noticed going back through some of their matches last year that they will sometimes revert to a four four two or a four four one one or something like that. But it's it's usually like a three four three or three five two. Um, and now I'm going to sound smart by breaking down the tactics for you. But it's really just because I did a bunch of research, not because I that's know what, any. That's because I actually watch them play. That's what smart people do is they do research. Exactly. Exactly. I don't. I didn't. I didn't learn any of this like by watching them play. I. Well, you don't have to. Smarter people tell me. You could have pretended. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm above that, you know. Um, so, in their three four three or three five two, a center back will drop deeper to link up play with the back three. Pretty typical. Uh, the front three will stay narrower though. Uh, allowing for flank space for the wingbacks to attack. They're big on using the wide spaces. The wingbacks push up really high. <clears throat> center backs can also shift, shift wider where they can help build attacks. Uh, their general philosophy is be direct, but still efficient. Uh, they usually are almost always rank in the top half of the league for long passes per 90. Um, mm-hmm. They will progress the ball with long balls into the forward line. One of the three looking for a flick on to run in behind with the front three, I should say. Um, they do build the back occasionally, but usually with the with the intent to sort of find a more high quality option to get in behind quickly. Um, they're below league average and passes per ninety, but um, have a pretty high accuracy of uh, uh, given like the number of long balls they play. They're not just like booting it, you know, and yeah. they're not booting it to a target man. Like there's no, they don't have boot Veghorst they're or you know Chris Wood or whatever. They're not. That's not what they're doing. Yeah, Lucas Cooler um, up, so. What? If uh, Lucas Cooler is their typical Polaire? number nine, correct? Polaire. Polaire, yeah. yeah. See, I told you, again, my German pronunciation. Note, I am completely wrong and stupid. Polaire is not the correct pronunciation. What they'd rather do is, like, build up play on a flank um, mm-hmm. with, you know, wingbacks just sticking super wide. Sometimes like positional changes with the with the with the wider of the forward, the wider of the two forwards, and like a center back. Yeah. And it makes sense when you have Grifo and Jung as your typical wingers in your three four three, correct? They both can score, they can both get inside and kind of create some problems there. Uh yes. So for instance, um Wait, I'll get back to. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the their formation for the for the Pokal Cup final. Um, when I get to the end of this bit, yeah. So like the central midfielders move into the wide positions too, um, so the wingers can receive the ball, and you know, oh, this is all meant to create the overloads in the wide spaces. They're very fond of the wide spaces, as I said. Um, they try to make little three v twos there on the wings, um, and then. You know, if the forward winger drops in a little deeper, defender can maybe be dragged with and, you know, the wing back can go in behind um, with quick passing movements. Um, uh, yeah, they, some stats for you. They ranked number two in the league in passing speed last year in the league and number two in one-touch passes. Um, they're also big into creative set pieces, Brentford mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Last season, they were number one in free kicks one, number three in free kick goals, and number two in assists via set play, number one in goals with the head. There you go. That's per uh, one versus one. Yeah. For a team that isn't particularly tall. I yeah. 
It's impressive. At least in the, on the front line. Uh, yeah. You know, some of their center backs. Waterback had a few um, last year. Um, but yeah, in general, defensively, not so complicated. They want to hold space, prevent proponents, opponents from playing through the middle. They're happy to concede wide possession um, mm-hmm. and possession in general, as long as they middle channels aren't being penetrated too hard and fast and slippery. Um, they don't have like an incredibly high percentage of the ball, but they don't need it. Um, yeah. yeah. The wingbacks obviously are going to drop into a five collapse a little narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, because they like to be direct and fast once they win the possession back they're they're fucking going. Um, As any good German Bundesliga team will do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Niels Peterson is still on the team. They're all-time goal scorer. He's like a super sub. Um, mm. But the way they lined up in their uh, in their Pokal final against Leipzig, they had uh, they had Leinhardt, Golda, and Schlotterbeck in the back with Flecken and goal. Lucas Kluber, Christian Gunter on the wings, uh, Hoffler through the middle uh, with Grifo and Max Eggerstein in front of them in front of him in the midfield. Max Eggerstein is their current uh, uh, transfer record, I believe. He joined um, last season. He joined from... in 2021 from Bremen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hilaire and, and... Stop saying Hilaire, you stupid asshole. What's his name? Roland, what's his name? Salai. Roland Salai. Um, so that was in a 3-5-2. Uh, Christian Gunter led the team in assists. Um, he had nine. As you mentioned, Vincenzo Grifo, your Italian brethren, nine goals, eight assists. Very yes. productive year in the midfield. Lucas Soler up front had seven goals. Ah! In terms of uh, their transfer activity this summer, um, one thing they've done recently is signed a midfielder um, named Daniel Kofi Carriera. Carriera? He's Ghanaian. Um, he, was, he had a really good season on St. Pauli last year in the two Bundesliga. He had 12 goals, 10 assists. Um, uh, Freiburg president described him as highly creative, determined, and someone who has an intelligent game. So he's someone to watch. I'm sure he'll get Europa minutes. Uh, they paid like almost five million dollars for him. He's um, 26, correct? So he's probably going to slot. They probably planning to have him slot right in there. He'll least. go right in. Yeah, yeah, he'll go right in. And uh, they also the huge get for them this summer uh, to fill the Schlotterbeck void. This one I knew. Matthias Ginter from Godback, which they got on a free, which is a total coup. I don't know how they managed that. But the real trick is that um, he is from Freiburg. So mm-hmm. he was that, on their team in uh, the 13 14 season or the 12 13 season where they qualified for the Europa League. Yeah. He, he was, was a Freiburg kid. Or, yeah. So it makes sense why a guy in the prime of his career at 28 would go back to his home. But on the yeah. surface, it seemed surprising because, but to be fair, God, they're in the Europa League and Godblock is not. Godblock had a shite year in the league yeah. last year. Um, so this is something that might excite you, David. Uh, they're rumored to be interested in your boy, 18 year old forward, uh, uh, Denyan Wilfred Gunotto. 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 At Gunotto. Yeah. Um, there's no, at the time of recording, uh, at the end of June, there's no news to report, but uh, mm-hmm. they are rumored to be circling among a few other clubs for the 18-year-old forward. So yeah. keep an eye on that. Um, yeah. yeah, Max Eggerstein, Maximilian Eggerstein from Bremen. 
uh, for like $5.5 million, which is like 5.2 euro. Um, it's their record transfer, uh, which is very low. And uh, their outgoing record transfer is, of course, Schlotterbeck, who Dortmund bought uh, from them for like 21 euro, $22 million. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the best in Germany last year, so it was a big loss. Um, but Ginter should hopefully fill that void for them a little bit. Um, yeah, he was great at ball carrying and ball progressing mm-hmm. statistics, um, and he'll be perfect to Dortmund, I think, for them. Yeah, um, I was looking at some of their statistics before, and of their defenders, um, Schlotterbeck had the most key passes and the most dribbles. Yeah, man, he's like ninety-five time. plus percentile in all of those like progressive yeah. statistics in the in the league at those at the position. So, yeah, he's gonna so there's like, definitely a concern about whether Ginter can recreate that as well as Schlotterbeck, which yeah. I don't think either of us believe. Definitely be able to do it to the level that Schlotterbeck was last year, but at least he provides the ability to do that and to still play that way. Yeah. It's funny looking at like intra German uh, transfers too, because the numbers are like so much lower than I'm used to in in other leagues, especially England, but other leagues too, like that Schlotterbeck, he was like probably the best defender in Germany last year. And he only going for 22 and, you know, they're replacing him with a guy on a free and like getting a big midfield third signing for them is like 5 million, you know? It's like the finances they're working with are so different. Yeah. Um, and then these teams go and a lot of them can not compete like directly with Premier League clubs at their level. So, you know, really Champions League clubs tend to be better than the Bundesliga ones outside of Bayern. But and the same for Europa and Conference League ones. But they're still competing with them. They're not far off, even though the yeah. valuations of their players would make it seem like they are. Yeah, Freiburg almost finished fourth last year, man. They were in that till the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good news for Freiburg though, is that they're very sustainable. Um, see, even when they've like went down in the last 20, 30 years, they're other than the period in the, like Oh five to Oh nine, they're able to bounce right back up. They're very comfortably managed. Um, they have a clear culture. Um, yeah. Nils Peterson quote for you here. They're their record holder, their most you know famous player other than Joachim Love. Um, uh, ahead of the Pokal final defeat, he's, he's quoted as saying, I stayed here after relegation, uh, signing permanently in June 2015 after a season on loan from Werder Bremen. Um, and that was six years ago. And people still say thank you for staying back then. When I played badly, there's no whistling. People say, no, we won't whistle at him because he does everything he can to make the club successful. And it doesn't work out now. Maybe it'll work out next time and you'll be forgiven a lot. So, uh, you know, it's just good, wholesome vibes down in Freiburg and the yeah. Black Forest. Um, they, they have a women's club. Um, that plays, plays in the Frauen Bundesliga. Uh, the last few years, they finished sixth, seventh, third, and fourth. So they have a solid infrastructure there, too. Um, the women seem to be doing a little better than their men. Yeah, but the men have actually have been finishing um, – this is why I don't think part of why I don't think they're going to get relegated this relegated this season is it's not a it's not a one time thing here like they finished sixth in 21 22 the year before that they were 10th the year before that they were eighth the year before that they were 13th um and the year before that they were 15th so they've sort of slowly been climbing up the table in sort of a linear way mm-hmm. since, um in the last 5 years um 
And I think their style of play is sustainable, except especially in the in the Bundesliga, where you know those positions from five down are kind of there to be had right now. Like, really, um, like the like, you know, Bayern, Dortmund, and Leipzig are always going to be competing for the top three. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, and Leverkusen is solid, but you know, last year finished sixth. I mean, it's just it's not it's just not as top heavy as other leagues right now. Like God yeah. Black will probably have a bounce back year, but you know, Frankfurt's Frankfurt won the Europa League and finished 11th, but they're not getting any better. Um, like Wolfsburg had a down year, but isn't going to do better than they're not going to finish top four again. You know, there's just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of space to be had, with just like a well-run club and like some creative tactics, you know? Yeah. And the Bundesliga is always really interesting to keep track of because of that specifically. I think, you know, most of the other top four leagues, you're pretty confident who's going to finish around those Europa League spots. And yeah, we like- have the big six in both uh, the Premier League, the Seven Sisters in Italy. Spain has been pretty consistent with who they've been putting into European competitions. And then the Bundesliga comes in and they say, OK, Union Berlin for the first time, whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, when, when, yeah. When, when Berlin or, came up, they'd never they hadn't been up in like decades and decades and decades. They come up. They immediately finished top top half, or maybe they finished tenth, and then the next year they're in like the conference league. The next year they were in the Europa League. You know, yeah, it's like they're already had there. Yeah, and Freiburg also obviously not historically Europa League club, yeah. not historically competing at that level. So definitely space to kind of make it your own spot there in Germany. Yeah. There's spots to be had. I'm also uh, looking forward to watching Kuhn. 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 In uh, in the conference league this year, uh, assuming they win their playoff, assuming they win their playoff, because they uh, which they might not. Um, Mm, They are unseeded. Cologne is another one of those unseeded um, for the playoff, so they could be getting a big team like Fiorentina, West Ham, Villarreal could be there. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a club that hasn't been, you know, top seven in a while. I don't think either there. I mean, they're. Yeah. I feel like they're more often fighting to be stay out of the relegation than they are to crack, you know, Europe. So mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, anyway. So yeah. it's yeah. So that's why I think Freiburg will not get relegated next next season. They may not have the squad depth to compete for forever on uh, on both fronts, on three fronts, um, mm-hmm. and maybe they're looking at a little decline. And but I think that's more likely to be like tenth than it is you know 16th um, yeah i think i still think they'll finish top half i think it might be i think they might miss out on top seven but in terms of the uh if i was to guess where they'll finish um in the europa league i wouldn't be shocked depending on their group draw obviously uh to see them finish second in a group get out and at least have you know a playoff round against a champions league fall down yeah um who knows? It just depends on the club, you know. They're, the quality mm-hmm. of Europa League groups can vary so wildly, you know. You could yes. get stuck with, you know, fucking Roma <laughs> and Rangers or something, and next thing you know, you're out, you know, or you're falling oh. into the Conference League. That might even yeah. be the best thing for Freiburg if they like, if they finish third in a tough group and then have a real shot at going deep in the in the Conference League. Conference knockout. League, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Roma were able to make the Conference League final and win it against um their who was it Feyenoord Feyenoord okay yeah i'm going to if Roma were able to make the 
Conference League final and winning against Feyenoord, then Freiburg definitely should be able to view themselves at least. I think Feyenoord's not a bad comp at that level. Or, like Feyenoord and Freiburg have probably like similar levels of of uh, European ambition, I would guess, from where they are, from like a mon- money and squad building, they're probably fairly equivalent. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Feyenoord's obviously a bigger historical club, but um, they don't quite have like the German revenue. So yeah, I would expect, I would expect them to make a solid go of themselves in Europe this year. And even if they got knocked out early, I think they'll play some entertaining stuff. Yeah. Um, and it'll be a good watch. So it's nice to have them. I'm not as optimistic for, as you are about their Bundesliga season. I don't think they'll get relegated. I don't really think they'll be in a relegation fight. Um, I'm definitely a little concerned about their depth right now as the main issue. For sure, yeah. And obviously, we're recording this the day before the transfer window actually opens. Mm. So a lot of these deals just haven't really been started yet, even though the Bundesliga does tend to move a little more quickly with transfers. Than most of the other leagues historically, but a lot of teams this year seem like they kind of want to hold off and be firm uh, with where they are right now. Teams like Leipzig, Leverkusen, they just want to like hold on to what they have. Um, might be a later transfer season for the Bundesliga, so I wouldn't be shocked to see Freiburg address these depth issues that yeah, I have we'll with them right now. Um, we'll see when so we be, get to our when are we get to our actual. Uh group stage pods yeah. where they are with with squad depth and uh, yeah it'll be a little easier than to know really how their season will be looking but i would be surprised to see them finish in the top half of the bundesliga again take them ninth baby i'll take them ninth okay i think i'm gonna early days put them around 11th or 12th so yeah. it's a little off the pace, um, but not relegation threatened. Yeah, I don't think. Just hard um, for me yeah. to see too many like too many teams that are going to have good enough squads to be. I mean, yeah, like Hoffenheim fell off last year. They'll probably be better mm-hmm. than ninth. I would, but you just never know. Like Frankfurt's probably about right. They they might because they're in the Champions League though. They, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll it's going to be a really, really interesting Bundesliga season outside of probably the title. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's over. Yeah. I think the top Dortmund three... in theory, in theory, might be fairly competitive, even without Holland. And I don't think quite – I would expect a similar gap to this year. But I think point totals for both Bayern and Dortmund will be a little bit higher. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think Bayern and Dortmund definitely seem poised to kind of run away again. And Leipzig with a close third. Yeah. Um, assuming Leipzig are able to hold on to some of their pieces, they have a lot of guys who are wanted. That's true. But better Leipzig. They'll just refresh. They'll just, like, raid Salzburg and, yeah. and start over again. Yeah, they're great at finding young players, Leipzig. Um, should we talk about the young players that have been leaving the Bundesliga? Notably, Gerther Firth just lost a player. Um to the Premier League, I believe. Um, but speaking, so Bundesliga losing young, young-ish players. Uh, Union Berlin look like they will be losing their. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's happening. Our strikers going to was it Nottingham Forest? Uh, yes, 
Yeah. What was that? Like 17 million or something. Yeah. Tewo uh, Awoni, uh, Awoni, Awoni, Awoni. I don't remember how to pronounce it. Yeah. I specifically didn't say his name. a great year. You would have to be the one to pronounce it first. <laughs> Awoni, I think. I think it's Tewo Awoni. Awoni. He, yeah, he was a beast last year. Yeah. Um, and um, obviously, yeah. Obviously, Holland leaving is. Union like, just signed uh, Jordan Pifak, actually. Jordan Pifak. Oh, they, that's exciting for us as Americans. To... Yeah, I think Pifak can. Uh, if if Union are interested in him, then they must see something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you accompanied that. Obviously, Holland leaving is a little bit of a different situation, but. You know, lots of rumors surrounding Kunku as well. There seems to be a lot of young players who are mm-hmm. getting sniffed around by the Bundesliga how or sniffed goes, around man. away from the Bundesliga. That's just how it goes. Yeah. You got to get scooped up by Bayern or bought by the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. PFOC, uh, PFOC was apparently the Swiss top scorer last year, the Swiss League's top scorer. Mm-hmm. Even though Young Boys didn't even finish second, they finished third, I think. Oh, that's. It's probably a disappointing season. I mean, I mean, obviously, won. disappointing season for them. Yeah, Zurich won the league. Um, that's, that's not that's not relevant. No, not relevant to our conversation currently no. about Freiburg. But yeah, let me tell you what uh, I'm looking forward to is closing all these fucking Freiburg tabs. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm sure you have a ton open. I have so many open. <laughs> I have an insane I've number of tabs throughout our conversation as well. Just to remind myself about like statistics and stuff. So I don't accidentally say the wrong number. If I'm talking about how many goals somebody scored or number uh, one thing, one thing I do need to get it, get, uh, get out before we end is, uh, the, my sources for all this information today. Um, so use obviously Wikipedia, lots of Wikipedia transfer market, FB ref, uh, bully news, which has some Bundesliga stuff, uh, one versus one.com. Um, I want uh, the athletic, um, the Bundesliga YouTube channel has a great Christian strike video called the most emotional coach in the Bundesliga. Um, uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube video from total football analysis magazine called strikes tactics at SC Freiburg explained Bundesliga 1920 tactical analysis. And uh, uh, from the mastermind site, uh, Christian Strike, SD Freiburg Tactical Analysis, 21-22 edition. So those were my primary sources for that information. Some of those sound like secondary sources, actually. But... Shut up. My pr- they're my primary <laughs> secondary sources. There you go. I think the primary source is watching Freiburg play. Oh, primary sources, those were my primary used sources, which happened to be secondary sources. Yes. All right. Before we go, Sport, we Sport Club Freiburg. Before we go, should we talk about the Bundesliga's performances in Europe as a whole? Yeah. I do feel like this year is very important for the Bundesliga. I feel like they've had not the best performances outside of some Bayern seasons over the last few years. But Frankfurt um, just won the Europa League. Yeah. Well, obviously, Frankfurt had a great performance last year. But other but... than that, no, they have not been great. Yeah, when I mean, you look Leipzig at a lot of the other semis of the Champions League in in 2020, um, mm-hmm. that was nice for them. <laughs> that was Bayern also won the Champions League that year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, since since uh, Bayern and Dortmund met in the was that the 2013 Champions League final? Um, yes. Yeah. Right. 2012, maybe. 2013. No, 20, right. 2013. 
Yeah, it was 2013 yeah, when they made it. Yeah, the bit where we weren't positive about it. Yeah, then... yeah. Since then, it's definitely there's definitely been like a market since ever since the Klopp Dortmund thing. Yes, fell apart. There hasn't been a real challenger for Bayern, and thus not a lot of European competitors. Frankfurt yeah. did will do wonders, hopefully for that for uh, German. Yeah, players. well, they did a couple years ago. They drop behind Italy into fourth on the coefficient table. Obviously, England and Spain are pretty easily yeah. first and second. And then last year, France finally had a really good year, uh, actual coefficient, because it wasn't just PSG carrying the way. So France is now like kind of getting closer, but not that close. I don't think either Italy or Germany are in fear of losing their fourth spot for a while. Yeah, and German, I mean, Germany does have their- had, you know, Dortmund was in the, it was a bad year this year for the Germans, but Bayern yeah. was in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and the year before that, both Bayern and Dortmund made it that far. Um, mm-hmm. The year before that, Bayern won, and Leipzig was in the semis, so they at least have, like, there's sometimes, you know, Leipzig or Dortmund have been showing up to the party. Yes. Um, at least the quarterfinals, because, you know, i but obviously last year, Dortmund didn't even make it out of the Champions League group stage, which was super embarrassing. Um, yeah. And then they went out to... Or a club like that, yes. And they went out to Rangers in the Europa League. So that was also embarrassing for them. Especially uh, at the time, obviously. Nobody... Yeah. Rangers had a great run, but Rangers. Dortmund should never be losing to Rangers in yeah. a two, two-legged playoff. But. Yes. Um, just and paper. just... Yeah, they are dropping their... They're finally, after this year, going to drop their awful 17-18 coefficient, which was 9.8. Um, so that will finally be coming off the books. Um, what will happen in 17-18? It's a good question. I don't know. I assume it's not good football. Um, what was the last time Freiburg? Freiburg um, were a big part of that. The reason it was so bad was because they did not make the group stage of the Europa League. Uh-huh. Um, and then in, uh, Bayern came second in their group and went to the knockout stage. Leipzig had to drop out and Dortmund had to drop out in the group stage of the champions league that year. Yeah. And then Bayern lost in the semifinals. So Bayern did, did their part as yeah. they seem to always. Nobody else did. Bayern, do. I feel like yeah. until there was just like a period there where Bayern, there was only like four teams that made the semis every year, and it was Real, Barcelona, Bayern, and X team. Like whoever wanted to join the party. Sometimes it was Chelsea, Juve uh, a lot at the time. Yeah, or Juve, or or formerly United. You know, like one of those teams would interchange, but it was always yeah, it was always Bayern, and then the and then Real Madrid, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And Bayern like, were always knocking PSG out somehow. Yeah, the one year it was Inter. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Dor- then it became Dortmund, but it's felt it was just like those same three teams every fucking year. Yeah. Now it's a different three teams every year. Now it's City, Liverpool, and Madrid. But anyway, you didn't come here to hear us talk about the fucking Champions League. So uh, I think that's gonna wrap it up today for Freiburg. Um, thanks for listening. Stay tuned in two weeks for, uh, for David's deep dive on Heart of Midlothian of Scotland. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Say bye, David. Bye.